Welcome to Missionary Roundtable with your host, Kale Horvath. Welcome back to Missionary Roundtable. My name is Kale Horvath. I'm your host. Excited to be back again with you guys talking about missions and the Great Commission and what each of us, uh, what our part should be in, in, in trying to do this mission that Jesus Christ left us to do when he went back to be with the Father. And so we've been talking to pastors and missionaries this summer and, and learning and gleaning from them about their wisdom and experience in, uh, in different facets of the Great Commission and especially international missions. And this week, uh, I've got another guest for you guys, a special guest. His name is Brian Clark. And Brian has been a missionary in London, England for about 20 years. And he's coming to us from five or six time zones away right now in England. So, uh, Brian, thanks for being on, man. It's a pleasure to be here. How are things in England right uh, now? Pretty good. Uh, well, right now, the, the weather is beautiful. I would say that in the month of May, uh, there's probably no better city in the world. Has spring sprung in May? Absolutely. Yeah, it's probably, you know, from like May to getting into the summertime, it, it is the best place in the world, I think, to be. It's just a great place. Everything's blooming. All the gardens are blooming and stuff, and the weather is great. And uh, that means the city is great. So, like, you know, when me and Mindy want to go down, usually now we can't do it now because of the virus. Right. Uh, right, now, right now we can't do anything but try to pick fights with each other. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of... Well, because like some of our friends have started hobbies and uh, things like that and trying to do like home workouts. But we try to find out what's wrong with each other. Oh. Um, that's kind of that's been our hobby. And um, but normally we would go down into the city and you can hear all the buskers like sing and, mm -hmm. you know, the live the live music and stuff that's out. And uh, and it's, it's a really wonderful place to be this time of year. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, the weather's great right now. Awesome. Have you, have you decided to be an artist or anything like that? Um, I, I've noticed a lot of people decided to like take up painting and regardless of their skill level, uh, they're artists now. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's a, a little known fact. I do a lot of body art. Um, <laughs> just mainly just the, that roll around on the canvas thing. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, I just like the way the paint feels, <laughs> but um no, I, I mean, I think that um, it was kind of, uh, you know, uh, probably 10, 15 years ago, there, there, I kind of made a choice. Um, there was because there was a number of things I, I like to do because my dad was always a music guy and um, uh, he is he's great at music and uh, always gave us a real passion for music. And uh, so I took a number of instruments and stuff growing up, and I always wanted to, you know, to perfect those things, to kind of master a few instruments. But it was probably about 15 years ago, I just decided I wasn't going to pursue uh, music. I made a decision not to pursue music at all and really wanted to focus my attention on preaching, that, that I wanted to make that, if you know, uh, if we want to call that my art, I wanted to make that the thing that I, I, I wanted to be as good as I could be at. And um, now I'm nowhere near close uh, where I want to be, but um, that is the thing that I try to pursue, you know, more than anything else is uh, I just kind of gave up on the, on the idea that I was going to be fluent in languages or that I was going to be a musician or I was going to draw or anything like that, which are all wonderful pursuits. And I have a great deal of admiration for any of the arts uh, but we learned in school that, you know, expository preaching was both a science and an art mm. put together. And um, and so I just decided I'm going to put all my eggs into one into one basket. Now, coupled with that is is writing. Mm. Uh, I think that's just a for me, it's just a different kind of preaching. But uh, but yeah, I just decided to put everything into that one basket. So that's actually awesome. It takes it in a different way that I hadn't thought about, but just in this idea of missions, because missions internationally, it's just doing ministry in another place. And so 
preaching and teaching people the word of God is incredibly important. And so just in this idea, if anyone out there is listening who uh, wants to be a student of the word and learn to preach, um, what do you do when you want to become a better preacher? And, and of course we could point to spiritual gifts, but like you said, it's, it's an art and a science and you, you need to hone your craft if you want to be good at communicating and, and a, and not just well-versed in the scriptures, but what, what do you do besides stuttering, studying the scripture? Do you study preachers? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, uh, it, it is kind of my, uh, thing, if you will, not my thing in the sense that I'm good at it. I mean, I, I mean, it's just my thing in the sense that it's what I, it's what I uh, am interested in. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I love to listen to pre to preachers, and I love to read preachers, and um, I love to I love to listen to public speakers of all kinds, even guys that I don't agree with whatsoever. Um, you know, former Prime Minister uh, here, Tony Blair, was a guy that I didn't agree with whatsoever, really, with regards to politics, uh, but he was actually with regards to speaking to British people. He was a great public speaker. Um, and there are a number of guys uh, that you can find, especially today with all the TED Talks and stuff that you can find. Um, I love to listen to people who are great public speakers and see uh, what I can learn from them. But uh, so I think that that part, you know, the technique of public speaking is, is one aspect but obviously, I think the thing that makes any kind of sermon or what I've learned that makes a sermon dynamic uh, has to be, you know, it's content. Uh, there has to be something that you're revealing. There has to be a, a, a particular take on it. There has to be something that you're providing uh, that maybe they haven't heard before or they haven't heard it that way before. There has to be some insight that you're giving you know, that makes that content dynamic. And um, so the content is the main thing. Uh, the delivery is would be number two, not necessarily not important, but I would say second uh, uh, as far as in, in important, still important, but second. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's just, you know, but hey, what do I know, man? There's a lot of people <laughs> that know this a lot better than I do. A lot of great books on that, but that's just my my take on it. But I love to watch guys, you know, you have tons of motivational speakers out there and they're just crazy. I mean, these guys are just, the stuff they say is just like, you, know, you could change your life if you just change your vocabulary. I mean, that's, that's pretty insane idea, but, but yet at the same time, there's a reason why thousands of people are flocking to listen to him speak. I mean, mm -hmm. so you can, you can learn from anybody. Sure. Yeah. So that so that's what I do in my spare time. I love to yeah. I love I love to listen to people. Love to listen to everybody. But I love to read great preachers, mm -hmm. and uh, I think those that read the best uh, preach the best. Hmm. Yeah. No, that's that's good advice, man. And it's interesting. Um, well, because there's there's two aspects of everything you just said here. There's the one thing that some people don't think that preaching is a science. They might chalk it up all to a spiritual gift. And so they don't hone their craft at all that, you know what I mean? They don't actually work on that aspect. But then there's the other side in the missions world where there's this misnomer that maybe it's a little outdated and, and things are changing. Maybe people don't lean this way as much anymore, but back in the day, at least missionaries weren't thought of as preachers or, or maybe they weren't expected to be great mm -hmm. students of the word. And they were just expected to be guys who, uh, you know, do things with their hands. <laughs> <laughs> That's really great. You expected to do things with their hands. Well, it That's... seems like, I, I don't know, did you run into this in Bible college at all, where it's like, yeah. uh, I've read books about people who, uh, they went to Bible college and in their missions, you know, tracked they were like playing games in the gym and and the, right. and the guys in the expository preaching tract were over here in a seminar learning about studying the word and so right. it's almost like missionaries were thought of as second tier maybe i, I don't know you, you you've no, been around true. a lot longer than i have in that world it's true i mean uh it was when i when i was a kid it was kind of uh uh what's the word it, it was kind of a uh it was just kind of a known thing it was a 
perceived thing that missionaries were terrible preachers. <laughs> you know, whenever, you know, they would be like, well, we're having the missionary in, you know, people would be like, well, that, you know, that's wonderful. We want to hear about their field, but, you know, it was probably going to be a crappy sermon. <laughs> and, and, uh, and quite honestly, I mean, most of the missionaries on the field, they're out there, they're trying to win people to Christ and they're trying to build a church. So, you know, having the time to put, you know, 25 hours into a sermon or whatever uh, is not something that they have to do. I remember reading about Tim, Tim Keller in his uh, church planting stuff that he wrote, and he was saying that he would even instruct church planters in the beginning not to spend as much time on, on their sermons because they just had so much other stuff to do, and that they would be, once they built a team, they'd be able to do more of that later. Um, because it is, it, you know, you are busy doing stuff that you don't normally, that you wouldn't do if you were just a, a you know, I say just, but if you were a pastor of, of a church that already existed. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I think because of that, missionaries probably uh, weren't really seen as great preachers. But uh, but I think that um, you're, you're right to say that there is kind of two sides to it, uh, the science you know, uh, part, and then then the the art part, and I think that it, both sides are equally important. Um, you've got to have whenever I'm doing the content part, when I'm doing the study part, um, I I really try to teach treat that like a science experiment. I, I try to do everything I can to keep myself out of it, to keep the variables out, mm. so that I can make sure that whatever you know, it says is what is what I get. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I try not to, whatever's going on in my church at the time or whatever's going on with me at the time, I try not to reflect that onto the passage, but just try to uh, do those word studies, do the diagramming of the sentences and doing all that stuff to try to make sure that I'm only pulling out of there exactly what's in there. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep, you have to keep the control group you know, controlled in order to get the right result. But then once you have that, then then the question is, well, now how am I going to deliver this in a way that people can really pick it up and take it home? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, you know, technique and personality and stuff like that come in. I mean, you know, you, you know this stuff. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. No, this is good because there's so many uh, good adages out there about um, they, they, they wouldn't be a um, – a hermeneutic or even a part of homiletics. But whenever you're constructing your message, like good things to think about, one thing that I've always heard people say is, uh, you know, there are three parts to, to preaching, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. And so right. it's just this idea that you're reiterating the same thing, but from different angles so that they actually have take some, something to take home, which probably just goes more into the thrust of your message. If you have a message with no thrust, then you, you don't have anything from to take home, but, um, right. but no, that's, that's all really good, man. Thanks for sharing that. Um, if we segue a little bit into what were our theme for today's episode. Um, so I thought I'd be a little bit funny here. Uh, maybe it's not, and it's just lame, but that's fine. I'm a dad now. Uh, my, my son is two years old. And so I'm officially into dad stage to where I'm allowed to be lame. Um, Yes, you are. It's just a part of it. I think a natural evolution process uh, of evolving into a dad, you know, your, 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 your clothes styles starts to change. Um, yeah. I heard some guy. I heard some guy say the other day that uh, dads, like whatever style of clothes that they had at the time that they became a dad, th- that's where they stop, and uh, they just they just seem to maintain that for the rest of their life. Like the last time that they thought they looked good, they just stuck <laughs> with they, they just stick with that, and then they don't ever change it again. That's not and, bad. Uh, yeah, I think that there might be some truth to that. I can respect the consistency. <laughs> yeah. So the the name of our episode today is Should I Stay or Should I Go? And that is a song by the British invasion band, The Clash. And uh, yeah. Brian is a missionary in London, England. So that's my joke for today. Um, <laughs> yeah, if it's you guys great, didn't get it. It's a great song. <laughs> but yeah, and actually, if I, you know, 
if if the internet was cool and didn't care about copyright claims, I would have put that on the intro of the episode. But here we are, and we're just talking about it. But it's this idea we've been talking about during the summer a lot about different facets of missions and uh, the different things that incorporate into the Great Commission and what is international missions and what do you do when you get there, all those different things. But really what it comes down to if you're a person uh, thinking about, man, should I be a missionary? It comes down to really, should I stay or should I go? And and it's actually really interesting. I, I've brought uh, this guy up several times on this podcast, but there was a man who's now passed named Dr. Clifford Clark, uh, who had a quote that really affected me in my life. And I know other people as well, that not all Christians are called to be missionaries, but everyone should struggle with the possibility or wrestle with the possibility. And it just so happens that that man was Brian's grandfather. And uh so, Brian, what would you say if you were kind of going back to that time um, when you were, quote unquote, struggling, struggling with the possibility? What was going through your mind as you were considering the call to the mission field? Well, it, it's interesting because that that quote from Pops was um, it, that was really born out of his own personal life experience. Hmm. Uh, he he wanted to be a missionary all of his life. Uh, he wanted to to go to a foreign field, you know, and church, plant churches. And, um, but God never allowed him. Hmm. He never, he never gave him the green light to, to actually go to a foreign field. And, um, <clears throat> so he really did wrestle, you know, with the possibility for many years of missions and stuff like that. And, uh, so he ended up staying home in order to prepare missionaries and send missionaries. So he was, he was going to get to the mission field one way or another. Mm-hmm. And um, now, so that's where I was saved under his ministry. So when we went to church on Sunday, every Sunday was Mission Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Every Sunday was in some way. We had this big mural behind uh, in the baptistry that was a big, I have the, the picture of it, a small picture of it that's actually behind me when I do my YouTube videos for my sermons uh, for uh it's like all the nations gathered in front of Christ, and it says, "Go ye, uh, teach all nations, baptize." And so every Sunday when we're there, this is what we see as pops would preach to us. And so we knew from the moment we were born, we knew what our life was about—that hmm. our life was about the mission, and that there was there was nothing else. That that that's what we knew from from when we were kids. That there, there, there's just nothing else except the mission, mm-hmm. and that everything else exists in order to, you know, to support the mission, and um, in one way or another, and um, and so for me, it was kind of the same as pops in the respect of, it was a matter of, well, where is God going to have me do it? Is He going to have mm-hmm. me do it on a foreign field, or is He going to have me do it uh, in the, the the nation that I was born? Um, and so I was, I'm always, it's kind of like when God had the nation of Israel, when they were eating the Passover lamb, and he said that when you eat it, you need to eat it with your staff in your hand and your shoes on your feet, mm-hmm. that he wants them ready because you guys need to be ready to go. And all my life growing up, as I, I was preparing, I, I always kind of figuratively speaking, had my shoes on. I'm always ready to go when, when God would say to go. And so that was kind of the disposition that we grew up with. And um, so, yeah, it was a matter of, you know, for me, it was not a matter of if, it was a matter of when mm-hmm. he said, okay, I need you to go here, I need you to go here. Uh, or if he said, hey, I need you to stay in, in the States, you know, whichever it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the questions I was wrestling with. As far as me personally, I knew that I was going to be a minister mm-hmm. of some sort uh, almost immediately after I was saved. Hmm. Uh, I, I knew that I was going to do this, and uh, so it was a matter of in what capacity. So you were all in on the what from the beginning. Yeah. It was just a matter of waiting to hear from God as you walked with him about the the where and the when. Right. Which is kind of, exactly right. Pastor Mark Trotter kind of always says that, you know, are you surrendered to God to do whatever, whenever, wherever. Um, but if you're not all in on the what, then, you know, the, yeah. the where doesn't doesn't even factor in at that point. 
Absolutely. In fact, we're, we're actually talking about that in our latest series in our church. We're going through Romans 15 and 16 as we're finishing up that book, and we're talking about the mission. And we just got done with the why, and then uh, this coming Sunday, we're going to be talking about the what. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, so um, we're, we're, we're kind of uh, circling those subjects at our church right now as well. But you're absolutely right. You have to be uh, all in on the what. You know, and you have to be, I think, all in on the why, mm-hmm. but uh, and then let God work out, you know, the the how and the when. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Because when I think back to just my own story, like I wanted to be kind of like you. Ever since I was a teenager, you know, I've grown up in church, got saved when I was ten, and a teenager in high school, I was like, man, I I want to be a youth pastor. That's what I want to do. That I I don't know how. I'm just gonna trust the Lord and do what my church asked me to do. Be discipled, all that. But like what I didn't realize as a young man was what I what I really wanted was that job position. I I wanted to buy Nerf guns and pizza and plan summer (laughs) camps. You know, I I wanted to be the fun youth pastor at my church. That's what I wanted, you know. Yeah. And then uh, it was in 2012 at a missions conference that, uh, you know, some people might say, you know, I felt called to missions there. That's fine. I, I wouldn't even argue with that verbiage. But what I really felt the Lord convicting me of at a missions conference in 2012 was, Kelly, you're not all in. (laughs) <laughs> you're, right. you're part in to like, right. you're, you're surrendered to like a little bit, like if it's fun and comfortable and what you want to do, but I want you to be all in for whatever and whenever and wherever I might call you to do it. And I think that surrender there started to expedite the process of not only my preparation, but like God starting to reveal some things about the where and the when even. Yeah. I think that that's uh, I think that's really cool. I mean, to get to that place, and um, to where you say, you know, I really am all in. Uh, and I've heard guys say that. I think I've probably heard Pastor Trotter say that as well. Um, to get to that place where you, you get to the whatever, mm-hmm. you know, where you can just say, hey, listen, whatever it is that you want me to do, I'll do it. And and that's I think that that's a really hard thing for mm-hmm. people to say. I mean, to be fair to people. Now, obviously— as Hudson Taylor said, when he got to the end of his life, people said, you know, they asked him about the great sacrifices he made, which included losing several children and a wife. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they asked him about those sacrifices. And he said, he, he said, I, I, I made no sacrifices mm. because what I get in return is so is far greater than anything that I gave up. So there's no sacrifice on my part. And so we understand that that's true. Uh, but at the same time, you know, from a person, you know, who's grown in the Lord that doesn't necessarily understand that, it seemed the, the whatever seems like a really big ask, mm-hmm. you know, that seemed to be able and to And it might say, be the well, hardest whatever. part, honestly. Yeah. Because yeah, if you get the hard. whatever down and you're actually all in on the whatever, I mean, whenever and wherever, they're just minor details almost. Yeah. Yeah. Unless, unless you're a wife. Sometimes the sometimes the the wherever and the whatever that's not God that sounded terribly sexist didn't it Yeah that uh, that was terrible Yeah (laughs) I didn't mean that I didn't mean like that but no I I get what you're saying though Yeah they they care about that stuff and maybe it's not that the wherever is easy because we're we're preparing to move our young family to Hungary this year and that wasn't easy to decide but in in comparison to the whatever. I, mm-hmm. For me, I think it's it was smaller because the whatever was me deciding to give up on the American dream and give up on all of that stuff. And then once that was in, yeah, moving to another country away from family is hard, but I don't know if it was as hard as the other things. Does, does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and how, how does your wife feel about Hungary? She, she, she's cool with all of that. Well, luckily I married like the sweetest person in the world and I don't, I don't know why God let me have her and I'm not even blowing smoke. Seriously. She's way too nice. Like she's nicer than a person should be. And so (laughs) she's been all in since the beginning and, uh, she, you know, it's obviously hard, but no, she's, she's been all in. Awesome, man. Praise the Lord for great wives. Amen. <laughs> but God, God gave me the perfect wife. He really did because Mindy is like she. She's also very, very sweet to people. She's so kind, very serving. And, but man, but she's not like that with me. Um, <laughs> she, she's uh, she's she's really tough on me. You know, she expects a lot of me because uh, 
she uh, she she really does care about me, and she uh, she really wants me to do my best, be my best. And so um, she's a tough audience, you know. She yeah. doesn't just pass out. She doesn't pass out the compliments on my sermons. Just easy. <laughs> it, if Mindy says, "Hey, man, that was a good one," then I, I know it was really a good one. <laughs> and um, and she's uh, but she's so she's so good for me though. Uh, that's the thing that I've really grown to appreciate about her is that she is the uh, the perfect woman for me. Mm. Um, and yeah. I, I always thought that before. But I thought that before because she was so sweet and because I think she's freaking hot. But now I think that, well, that helps. Uh, she's perfect. Yeah, it does. But now I think she's the perfect person for me, uh, the perfect person for my character. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I've learned to uh, appreciate her on a completely different level uh, in this, uh, you know, we're, we've been married for almost 25 years. Awesome. And so, yeah, the, so the last kind of five to seven years, I've grown to appreciate her in a completely different way. I'm sorry. That wasn't, that no, was that's, not part of the that's good. There's, I mean, these are different facets of serving the Lord. And, you know, for me, my, my wife is uh, perfect for me. And in a different way, I've often told people that I married my own cheerleader. Um, now yeah. that, that means I have to seek criticism from others because uh, my wife generally thinks that everything, and I uh, seriously, I'm not making this up. If she was in here right now, it, she genuinely thinks that everything I do is awesome. And uh, <laughs> that's what I needed to marry, man. I'm just telling you, like I could tell her tomorrow, Hey, I, I think that what we should do is stop what we're doing and move to Nebraska to start a sombrero factory. And she would be like <laughs> that. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Let's go. That's- <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. That's great. I needed that. And maybe that helps with the mission. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe, (laughs) but you're right. It it certainly does. Your wife is such an important part of the mission. And like, you know, talking about, I I love reading missionary biographies and as well. And, you know, it's always been strange to me that, uh, you know, the father of modern missions, William Perry. Yeah. William Perry. Thank you. Um, he kind of drug his wife kicking and screaming back then. You know, I mean, it, it was a different age. And so I'm, you know, you give them grace, but you know, I, I wouldn't, I I wouldn't, (laughs) I wouldn't advise that. And I certainly couldn't do that. No, uh, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily advise that, you know, uh, I don't, you know, I don't judge them. That is a different time. And, uh, you know, maybe she just, uh, I don't, I don't really know. I've really struggled with that. <laughs> it's a hard I, one to talk to because like, I don't really want to talk on this point because it's going to make someone uncomfortable. Mostly me. <laughs> yes, it is. It's going to, it's going to make either you uncomfortable or make me look really bad. I don't know how to talk about that because I don't know which side I fall on because obviously the guy's trying to follow the call. Um, and sure. at the same time for me personally, when, when Mindy said, that she was like, I really think it's time for us to go as we were praying about it and, you know, seeking all that stuff that, that out. That was probably part of the confirmation for you. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, because absolutely. Mindy is much more grounded uh, person than I am. Um, and because uh, I'm a mess, you know, <laughs> uh, and I'm more I'm more emotional than she is. But uh, so she's much more grounded and rational person. And uh, so when she was like, absolutely I think it's time for us to go. That was a huge part of that confirmation for me. So I can't imagine dragging my wife, you know, kicking and screaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I think one of the things that is necessary, now not dragging them, kicking and screaming, obviously, but I think it is necessary uh, for a husband uh, to know exactly what it is that God wants him to do mm-hmm. and to be willing to plant his feet in such a way that he's like, it doesn't matter what anybody says, including my wife. Uh, I, I'm going to do this. Sure. You know, and until God gives me different directions, this is what I'm going to do. So I think, you know, you really have to listen to your wife, uh, but you really have to listen to the Lord. Yeah. And, uh, and you, you, yeah. So, and, and it's and it's our and it's our job or our biblical role, I should say, not our job, but our, our role from the Lord to, to lead our family and to lead our wives. So um, that that could look different ways. Um, that was a fun rabbit hole. Uh, 
<laughs> we'll see how that goes over. But anyway, yeah. uh, so it, with this idea of staying or going, uh, I kind of want to dive into this a little bit because, um, you know, we, we on this show, we've talked about, you know, calling to go or, or what what have you. But it's what what is interesting to me is this idea of staying, because I feel like some people and surely this isn't anyone listening. You know, this is just some people. Um they, they might use this idea, well, I'm not called to go, so I, I'm going to stay, but but then they don't assign themselves any responsibilities as a quote-unquote stayer. So would you mind, like, diving into this a little bit? What, what's the difference between going and staying, and, and, and what, what's their role? If they're going to stay, what, what are they called to do biblically? Well, I think that the obviously the modern-day, or the missionary, uh, resembles when we read the Bible— it, re- it, re- it resembles more the apostolic role um, because that they were the ones that were, you know, getting those churches started. They were the ones that were, you know, the apostle Paul is our model missionary. And as an apostle, he had certain authority to go in and because uh, they didn't have a Bible. So the reason he had that apostolic authority is because he was providing Bible mm-hmm. for them. And, um, and so if you take away that apostolic authority, then what you have is a missionary. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's really what a missionary is. He's a church planter without apostolic authority mm-hmm. because we don't need that anymore because we have the Bible. Mm-hmm. So we carry the apostolic authority with us in the scriptures, but we're doing the same practical job as an apostle. And so, because that's what apostle means is it's a sent one, which is where we get the Latin word missio or missionary it, that's where that comes from. And so um, so we're doing that same job. So that's what their responsibility is, is to start churches, to train up leadership, gather them, and then move on and, and plant another one, hmm. you know, and that kind of thing. Now, they can do that in two different ways. They can do it by model church that sends out, or they can start them and move on like mm-hmm. Paul did. And uh, both of them are perfectly legit. You had Antioch as the model church, the mother church. And you can, so you can see both models mm-hmm. in there, and that's fine. As long as they can see their job is to train up, to plant churches, you know, and to get those going. So their, their job is not primarily pastoral, uh, but a planter and a trainer, an evangelist. And, um, and so I think that that's the main responsibility. And, as far as if someone, you know, someone's staying, I think it really depends on the field. There's going to be some fields where, like you see this in the life of the Apostle Paul, you know, he stayed in Thessalonica for a month. But, you know, he stayed in Corinth and in Ephesus, he stayed in there for years. And so it, it depends on the the field, you know, uh, here in London. Uh, and it, it takes a lifetime to try to break through and to, to see something really take hold that you can be satisfied that if I die, that it's going to keep going. Mm-hmm. And um, so it takes a long time, but you could probably plant a handful of churches that have good roots that, you know, are going to uh, reproduce exponentially, you know, in uh, India or in South America or someplace like that that you know it's going to happen, and then maybe, okay, so maybe uh, God would call you, it's time to go go and do something else. But I think it depends how long you stay, depends on the field. Mm-hmm. Well, what if, if you know, people, you know, they're living in America, you know, say it, it, the age range doesn't really matter, but typically when we're talking about missions and people going, we're, we're speaking to younger audiences, right? It's they, mm-hmm. They've just got more... Uh, they're at a stage in their life where they can make those decisions and uh, they've got a longer period of their life to give or to throw at it. Um, so with this idea of like talking to young people and they're deciding, should I go to the foreign mission field? Should I stay home? Uh-huh. Is sometimes I feel like there's this, uh, there's this misconception that, well, if I stay, what I'm going to do is live an earthly, selfish American dream and go to church on Sundays. But if I go to the foreign mission field, that's going to require a lot more sacrifice, you know? So like, why would anyone go if, if you could stay and do whatever you want? <laughs> right. Right. So what, yeah, why would, 
So I guess I, I guess my question really is, so for people who decide, you know, God isn't calling me to go to the foreign mission field. Okay, so, but what is your job if you're staying back in America to do in partnering with missionaries as as we all seek to fulfill the Great Commission as the body of Christ? Ask that a question one more time. What's what's the role of someone who would say, I'm not going to the foreign field, I'm going to stay here? Uh, it's not just to stay well, here and live your best say. life now, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if you ask Joel, it is, but... Uh, <laughs> um, but it no, I think obviously it's it's the the same. We say this to our kids, you know. We'll we'll be like, okay, so what's the mission? And they're th- and then they know it's you know to evangelize, make disciples, plant churches. Mm-hmm. That that's that's the mission at home and abroad around the world. That's what we're. That's the only reason why we exist mm. on this planet is to do that. If you're not doing that, then you're disobedient. Okay, you need to be involved in that in some capacity. Now, we're not all involved in that in the same capacity or in the same job or with the same gifts. But, you know, we're all, you know, it's like a football club. You know, some guys are playing goalie and some people are playing forward. Mm-hmm. But we're all on the team and we're all part of the same mission. Now, those sound like so soccer have- players, not American football players. Oh no, we um, yeah, I'm at proper football. Oh, I see. <laughs> Brit- right. British football, right? Yeah, or, or the world's the, the football, of... I guess, <laughs> versus That's American right. football. <laughs> yeah, but you'll learn about all that. Uh, yeah, as you, as you get here, just so. one of the sacrifices, you know. <laughs> right, <laughs> but yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's, so we're all a part of the same mission, um, and doing that. So even if you're in the states, or, or I should say. No matter where you are, if you're in the country that you grew up in, because people, you know, in Africa or Europe are going to wrestle with these same questions sure. about going to somewhere foreign. Um, and so if you decide to stay in the country that you grew up in, uh, as opposed to going to a foreign country, uh, the, the mission is still the same. And so you should be involved in that. And I think if you look at it from more of a global perspective, it helps with that. Because sometimes, as Americans, we kind of think we're the only people sending missionaries hmm. out. And so we're like, well, should we stay at home or should we go out and do the missionary work? But as I said, uh, well, what about the guy who lives in France? Or what about the guy who lives in uh, Hungary? What about the guy who lives you know, in Japan? As he gets saved and he's following the mission, uh, he's going to wrestle with the same thing. Should I go and do what Paul did and follow the Great Commission, or should I stay in my home country and do it? Mm. And uh, and when you look at it from that perspective, I think it's helpful to see, well, there's really no difference in the job. It's it's a matter of location. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I say there's no difference in the, that's in the nature of the job. But let me be clear, going to do this mission internationally uh, it is harder. Mm. It is hard. I know that sounds like a bunch of, you know, crap because I'm a, I'm a foreign missionary. So of course <laughs> I'm going to say that. Uh, but it is harder to do that internationally as opposed to doing it in your home country. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so if you are, so there is a difference. The job is the same. Uh, but the, you know, the nature of the work, the environment of the work is different. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it is going to, it is something that people do need to wrestle with because, uh, man, you know, go into a foreign field where you have to learn a completely different culture and you have to try to share the gospel in that culture, possibly learn a language, all of those things. Um, it comes with a great deal of, you know, difficulty and obstacles. Sure. And so... Sure. Yeah. So the job is the same, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which that, is a great is answer. So thanks, Brian, for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, 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 what we're doing is the same. So to answer your question specifically, if they stay in the States, mm-hmm. then yeah, they should be sharing Christ, making disciples and trying to plant churches. Sure. And supporting missionaries or being missionaries. That should be what they're doing. They should be 100% in mm-hmm. to that wherever that you are, because there is nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. 
so obviously we're going to be involved in that. So, because the Great so, Commission but, is, it's go and make disciples, and God's given us all that work, you know, regardless. Now, and like you said, there's we all play different parts, and you know, First uh, Corinthians uh, twelve talks about we're all different, you know, parts of the body, and we all serve different functions, of course. But I, I guess what I'm trying to 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 get at is that nobody has a license to not do anything. Right. Right. No, that's, that's not an option. Um, and, uh, and again, if we, if we view this from the, the viewpoint of the judgment seat and the fact that, uh, we're going to, you know, come face to face with our Lord very soon, uh, we understand that the only thing that we want is in this life is to be faithful because we want to honor who he is. We get a, we get a great picture of that whenever Peter denied him three times and it says that Christ turned around and he looked at Peter and they, they caught eyes. And when Peter, you know, saw his face <clears throat> and then Peter went away and he wept bitterly. Mm. And I think that that's such a beautiful picture. It's not, well, it's not really that beautiful to be honest, but it's a picture of what it's going to be like when we see him and when we catch eyes with him and we denied him here. Mm-hmm. When when we were unfaithful here, I think that we're going to weep bitterly. Uh, I think that those are the tears, many of the tears that he wipes away in heaven after the judgment seat. I think there's going to be a lot of tears at the mm-hmm. judgment seat because when we see Christ and we realize that, you know, we wasted our life, you know, on Netflix and when we could have been serving him mm-hmm. and man, I, I think you got to always live your life in light of his return. Yeah, no, amen. I, keeping your eyes on the judgment seat uh, will, will help you live with an urgency um, and a holiness, obviously. Um, but but so William Carey, uh, that we've kind of spoke about already, um, he, he kind of coined the famous uh, quote, um, holding the rope. And and that was used first in context of missions with William Carey saying, "Hey, I'll, I'll go, I'll go into the depth. I, I believe it was of India, uh, wherever he was said he would go." But he said, "I need you guys to hold the rope." So, with that idea, you know, this might be a great place to kind of land on at, at the end of this thing. Um, if someone is going to stay here, you know, they're they're a church member, they're they're serving the Lord in their church. How can they? hold the rope for missionaries that are out in other countries. And of course, financial giving is important. Prayer is important. Um, and maybe those are the two answers and we just need to do those better. But, but how can, how can people hold the rope for missionaries as they're going to uh, the ends of the earth? Um, yeah, I think that, you know, send a lot of money. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. The, 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 the money you know, is, and that, I think that's a lot of what William Carey was talking about when he said that is you guys have to hold the rope here because they were the people keeping him on the field, Mm. you know, and they were actually responsible for raising his support and, you know, getting support and stuff like that so they could send him. And, um, so yeah, he, they were the ones responsible for keeping him on the field. And, um, and so he would report back, and uh, and the people that support missionaries are the ones uh, they are their lifeblood. They are the ones responsible for keeping them on the field. And in um, when I was growing up, it was something that missionaries were a little bit embarrassed about the idea of raising support. Um, you know, it's kind of embarrassing. So it's almost like it was like a step up from panhandling. You know? Yeah, man, I, you, you kind of feel that sometimes. I'm um, com, coming right. to the end of that period, sure. But I, I don't, I don't feel that way at all anymore. I, I always did feel that way. I did that feel that way for a long time, um, so I understand it. But I don't feel that way anymore. Uh, the work that we're trying to do, the work that you're trying to do, Kale, um, the all of us missionaries are trying to do, uh, is an honorable work. It's a good thing that we are trying to share the gospel. As Paul said, where Christ is not named before, where, you know, he's not been preached before. We're trying to go to the uttermost. And it's an honor for someone to be a part of the work that Christ is doing around the world. 
And that's what we're inviting. Whenever Paul talked about people giving to him, he was like, look, I, I've got I've got what I need because I have Christ. If you give to me, that's just fruit to your account because mm. now you get to be involved in the work that God is doing. I think that's the biblical perspective on raising support. And, um, and so I think that it's an honor to be a part of God's work, just the same way it's an honor for me to be a part of it. And it's an honor for anyone to hold the rope. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so if, if God ever changes my orders and calls me back to the States, man, you better believe what I'm going to do is if, if I'm not working at a church, uh, man, I'll flip burgers, I'll lay brick, whatever I got to do, I'm going to be... I'm going to be making money so that I can invest it in the mission. Mm. Wh- whatever it is that he asked, wherever he asked me to be, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to give my money because I believe in the work. And so that's how we can hold the rope. And as you said, the other one is to pray and, and to pray fervently for your missionaries. I believe that prayer is how we move the hand of God. Mm. And we, we really underestimate prayer. I would really recommend a book uh, called Answers to Prayer by George Muller. And uh, yeah. he actually he, he started some orphanages here in Bristol. And um, he, that, that book really helped shape my idea of the power of prayer. Uh, obviously, Ian Bounds is the king sure. of prayer books. But, but uh, this book here is a really, really small book. And it's wonderful to show uh, how this guy really trusted God. And if we all prayed like that, uh, then it would be just such a tremendous help for our work and for our missionaries. Um, and I know it sounds trite, but these are the these are the two main ways that you can really help your missionary is to send him money because that's what keeps him on the field. And you can pray for him fervently. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Mm-hmm. So you, you can pray and fervently, that's what we call supplications. That's like prayer with heat added. That's that's what a supplication is. You have a normal prayer, and then you add some heat. And that's that's the way you should pray for your missionaries. And uh, so that's that's what I think. But no, that's that's awesome because I mean, really, when it comes down to it, this idea of you know staying versus going. Um, if if you're not gonna go to a foreign field, you, you still have a work to do at home, but then you can, st- but you can also partner with those who are, who are going, um, and be maybe what we would call a sender, um, and not just merely a stayer. Yeah. Well, if you think about it from uh, a tactical standpoint, both are so necessary for those who are staying, because if you're not multiplying at home, then how are you going to be able to maintain missionary support for those who have left? Yeah. You, you have, you have to be multiplying at home to keep the base strong so that the missionaries who are going out are able to, uh, you're able to maintain them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're both so necessary. Hmm. So, uh, let's wrap it up here. Um, if someone is listening to this and they, and regardless of their age, um, but they, they're wrestling with this idea of should I stay or should I go? Um, and they're, they're wrestling with the possibility that maybe the Lord would have them to be a foreign missionary. What advice would you give them? What should they do? Maybe not the answer, obviously. We can't tell them if they should stay or should they go. But, but what should they do? They should stay home. Are you, are you going to elaborate on that? or? <laughs> I was like, okay, well, there it is. That's the end of our show. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the, the, the guys, and, and you still see some guys that say this, but the guys, the old school, uh, they really pushed missions a lot, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and it was really good. But one of the things that they also did that was also really good was when they had a guy who committed to missions, they would really try to talk him out of it. Mm-hmm. And they would tell him, listen, if you can do anything else, then go do that. I think that's the best way to approach mm-hmm. missions. Uh, me and my wife, we knew 100% that this is what God wanted us to do. We had no doubts what he wanted us to do. Uh, I had been preparing for this since I was a fetus. <laughs> uh, and 
I had uh, at least 14 years of formal training before I ever went to the field. And when we got here, the first three years of church planning, it just about killed us. Mm. And uh, so I'm saying even with complete confidence and plenty of preparation and training, uh, it's man, it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. Um, and if you could do anything else, then you should go do that. Um, for me, uh, the, I could not do anything else. Mm -hmm. I knew this is what God wanted me to do, and I had to do it. If I did not get out of the U.S. into this field, I was going to die. I mean, I really felt like I needed to do it. I had a burden. Mm -hmm. And this is what a missionary must have. They must have a burden upon them that I, I and doesn't mean they understand it. I certainly didn't. It uh, doesn't mean they understand what they're going to do or how they're going to any of that stuff. I just knew that God wanted me to do this. And so, um, yeah, it, you know, if you have that, then I think you should go. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that, then I think you should probably stay. And what's their, because, you know, everyone who's listening to this is probably at a different stage in their walk with God. So what's their next step, really? I mean, practically, you know, talk to their pastor, disciple, you know, get prepared, essentially? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, that's one of the things that's always pointed out to guys like you and me when we do our training, is that, you know, the Apostle Paul from Damascus Road uh, to the time to Acts 13 when he was sent out is approximately 14 years of time passed before he actually was sent out as a missionary. So that's why you waited 14 years. Is that what you said? <laughs> Didn't you say you had 14 years of formal training? It was, it was approximately 14 that, years. That that's is a, really that's spiritual. A, of, that's, a, of that's a coincidence. But, uh, <laughs> but um, no, but uh, so there was a long time of preparation. So mm -hmm. I tell people, young people that are like, man, I think maybe God wants me to be a missionary. I'm like, okay, well buckle up because there's that's going to require a lot of training preparation yeah and a, a lot of you know shaping you as a person because for the most part you know what we need are really good missionaries on the field not necessarily better methods but better missionaries so it's going to going to shape you as a person take time for that shaping and um so yeah there's going to be times of great preparation uh trips to the field really seeing the field uh, the time that I visited by myself and the time that my wife visited the first time, totally different experiences and, um, you know, going to the field and really seeing it. And, uh, you should be able to do that a number of times, uh, all of course, under the, the guidance of your pastor. Mm. And, um, so as long as it's done within the context of the church, remember when Paul, when God called Paul and Barnabas, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to the church mm -hmm. and said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas. Now, no doubt he spoke to Paul sure, uh, as, as well, but when the, the time of their separation came, he spoke to the church. And so when my church told me, man, we think you should go, you know, we're on board, we think you should go, uh, that, was, that was the main confirmation that I needed. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the main confirmations that we'll get in our life with regards to our calling, with regards to our spiritual gifts, uh, all of these things are going to come to us whenever other people tell us uh, what we know to be true about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're going to come from other people. And so, yeah, just put yourself under the umbrella of your authority and, uh, and then take multiple trips to the, to the country and, uh, and then train and train and train, you know, do everything you can to prepare uh, you won't be prepared when you get there, but do everything you can to to uh, close the gap. Mm. Oh, that's really good. So submit yourself to the Lord, first of all, and then submit yeah. yourself to the authority of your local church and then just follow yeah. God. And and if he asks you to it's it's interesting i i like acts 13 because mainly that's where we kind of see this missionary call um but my pastor jeff martell has always said you know god doesn't necessarily call you to a place he calls you to a work and that's what acts 13 shows is that god had a work whereunto they were called and he didn't right. even tell them where they were going he asked them to go 
And then he fills them in later. And, you know, hopefully God doesn't do that with you. But the the idea is, are you submitted to the work God has called you to? And if you're doing it where you're at, maybe someday he'll ask you to change your address and go do it somewhere else. That's nowhere near as mystical as uh, this whole thing of should I say or should I go right now? Right. Right. No, I couldn't have said it better. That's exactly right. Whoever's listening to there out there, just do that. And I also like uh, what you said there, Brian, about we don't need better methods. We need better missionaries. Um, Man, there's so many people out there trying to do the newest thing, the newest method, the newest whatever. Um, What what do you mean by we need better missionaries? And we can land here. Well, if you you give me a guy that has a lot of, quote, has a big skill set, and then you give me a guy who is, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, but you know, is not really that talented. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take him every day of the week because that is really how things move in any field is if a man is filled with the Holy Spirit. If you want to talk about preparation, man, learn how that you can be a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit mm. in your life. If you are filled, okay, then you will find fruit I think, you, and you'll be faithful um, but, uh, just being skilled. I mean, that's great. I, I'm, I'm happy for people to be skilled and be talented. Uh, but we need people who are filled with the Holy spirit. Um, man, I, one of the best, uh, that examples of that is Rudy Garillo, mm. who is the pastor of La Biblia Dice in Bogota, Colombia. And, uh, one of the most spirit filled men I've ever known. And man, uh, what look at his, ministry, his fruit, uh, in his life. And, but just the man, if you spend time with him, you can, it's like, you can feel it coming out of his pores. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. He's just, he's just such a, and that's, he, he shows me the kind of man I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be someone who's filled with the Holy spirit. And you look in the Bible, every time something awesome happens in the Bible, it's usually as the result of someone probably right before that getting filled with the Holy spirit. And uh, so that's the the thing that I would say that we really need on the field is people who are filled. Awesome. Man, Brian, that was really good. Thanks so much uh, for your wisdom and your uh, and just taking the time uh, to talk with us. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. It's good to be here. Well, there you have it. Should you stay or should you go? Well, I don't personally know, but one thing I do know is that God has called us all to participate in the Great Commission that he left us to take the gospel to all nations and to preach the gospel to every creature. And, uh, well, I can't tell you the plan of God for your life. I can, I can certainly know from reading the Word of God what the will of God is for not only the world, but for Christians in general. And he's given us this ministry of reconciliation that he talks about in 2 Corinthians 5, to be ambassadors for Christ. And so regardless of what you think you should be doing with your life as far as changing your address for the gospel, I think it's fair that we should all be seeking to be better disciples, and we should all be preparing to be better ministers of the gospel that God has entrusted us with. And so whether that means you need to be discipled or whether it means you need more training in understanding your Bible and ministry, um, if you need more training, you can check out lfbi.org to find out more about the Living Faith Bible Institute. Or you just need to talk to your pastor and let him know, Pastor, I, I don't know if I should be a missionary or if I should even be a pastor or anything like that, but I want to be more well-equipped to be a better minister of reconciliation, a better ambassador for Christ. And ask him to disciple you. Ask him to train you and 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 do more to strategically and intentionally place yourself in classes and in in different ways to gain more experience and and even different areas of service so that you can be more prepared to use you for God to use you however he may call you and however he wants to use you. So should you stay, should you go? I can't tell you. But that is something you can wrestle with and certainly something that every Christian should wrestle with. Should, should I change my address for the gospel? It might not be the question that uh, God is going to answer right now. 
it's something you should wrestle with, but I, I know that what God is calling all of us to do is to be a part of the Great Commission. So if you'll be faithful with what he has given you today and take steps in your growth, he'll give you more down the road. And who knows, maybe someday he will call you to do what you're doing right now, but just do it on the other side of the planet. Either way, we should be serving God and being faithful stewards with what he's given us where we are at today. So I pray that you would do that and that you would consider how God has you and what your role is in the Great Commission. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you back next week. God bless. Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe and share us on social media. Also, please make sure to check out our other podcast, Theology Roundtable, at theologyroundtable.com.